So yeah, like I said, interesting. Was a phenomenal ball in 2019. Yep. Let's see if we can get back to where it was and beyond. What is up, everybody? How you living? No putts given. Chris and Tony and Ben and Jerry today. We have four of us. What an episode we have today. We have a big topic today, and we're not. We're going to transport people momentarily back in time to a different state, a Carolina, the one of the two. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna talk some golf ball stuff. But before we do that, what a wild weekend at the Riv. We got in and out. Was there? Who I'm blaming for a lot of these uh, these flu issues? I mean, Patrick Cantlay, Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods. Who knows if there were others? We're all suffering from gastrointestinal issues and flu-like symptoms and things like. That, but this is an elevated event. The first time they kind of did, they said it had a cut. I call it a really embarrassing cut where it's like they went from, you know, top 50, you know, they went to, you know, 70, 80, whatever, to top 50, plus anybody within 10 strokes of the lead after Thursday and Friday rounds. So theoretically, you could have had like four guys not make the cut or whatever. So this, the guys who withdrew and a couple others. And some people, yeah, I mean, and so, <clears throat> I mean, that's one thing. This is, you know, Tiger's the host of this tournament. This is the the genesis at Riviera, which is, by all accounts, one of players' favorite courses throughout the year, in spite of at least one glaring weakness that I'll talk about here in a second. But Tiger gets sick, flu-like symptoms, can't play the weekend. He was going to make the cut, likely. But he couldn't play the weekend. And then we get to the rules of golf. <laughs> so I want to talk about these two situations real quick. So first of all, we have Mr. Jordan Spieth. He gets DQ'd after Friday for signing an incorrect scorecard. For those of you who don't know, in the world of professional golf, if you sign for a lower score on any given hole, like let's say you make a three, but you sign for a two, DQ. What do you make of this rule, Tony? Because there, there's a lot of it's, different places I mean, on the internet. People are disagreeing. It's, it's overly harsh in its punishment. Um, I'm sort of like, all right, what what is the point of this rule? What are we what are we trying to achieve? And, and my thinking is, right, rules should exist to keep everything fair, right? make sure nobody has an unfair advantage, and that uh, sure. you know things like that. And I look at this rule and, and say, you know, we've got a thousand people tracking the scores. They're, they're tracked in real time. Everybody knows what the score was. I can't imagine there's any real intent to manipulate because again, everybody already knows what the score is. So, yeah, I mean, should a golfer be able to keep his own score? Sure. Is it overly penal? Yeah. Because the objective of the rule at this point the modern rule, the only thing is it accomplishes is punitive. It punishes people for a mistake, but it does nothing to sort of prevent them because, again, that's all taken care of. And I understand the argument. Well, at the tour level, it's one thing, but at the lower levels, you know, call it mini tours, competitive golf, right? Sure. They don't have those same luxuries. And my point there is, well, you know what? Nobody's going to know if you turn in an incorrect scorecard at that level. You don't have the same ability to sort of 
catch a mistake. And so the rule right. is not applied, whether or not the rule is the same. And golf loves this, right? We're going to have the same rule for everybody. But the actual real-world application is different. Right. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I get it. I get the history. I get the tradition. Sometimes history and tradition can be its own worst enemy um, when other things evolve and change. And like you said, you're trying to apply a single rule and this gets right to the Hideki situation as well, you're trying to apply a single standard across a thousand different landscapes. And so sometimes it's going to fit, a lot of times it isn't. Have golfers keep their own score? Great, absolutely. They should be able to do that. And if you want to have a penalty, I'm a big fan of like a two-shot penalty or something. I, I think a DQ, I mean, if you want to just look at that monetarily, I mean, this could, you know, for somebody in Jordan's situation... He was playing well. He's what five under something like that. He very easily could have made an awful lot of money, and and not just the implications in that tournament, but the tour would have you believe that people are very excited about FedEx Cup standings, and so <laughs> to the degree that that cost him FedEx points and and whatever, it's 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 overly harsh. It's it's I don't want to say it's draconian, but it's not far off from. That which gets us right to Hideki. Last, I mean, he guys on an absolute heater ends up shooting sixty-two. Looked like he was going to run away with it, which he did end up doing. We get to hole seventeen, second shots, par five. Second shot goes through the green. He's got a really fast trip coming back down the hill, and again, it almost made Jim Nance yell at people. <laughs> he was getting. Frustrated. What was Mr. Nance so frustrated about, Tony? What what was the Did the ball there? move? Did the ball move? Yes. Yeah, some Maybe. some controversy. Hideki putting his club, his wedge behind the ball, and the ball shifted but did not move is the official explanation. Um, so maybe I look at it and like, you know, call it a shift, an oscillation, if you will. I feel like the ball I think I think the ball ended up right where it started and, and frankly I'm, I'm a guy who believes in again close enough right it was are we in the same spot in terms of the ball i think we were i don't have an issue with it but i also believe that he changed his line and so whether or not the ball moved he did manipulate the grass and and frankly looking at it i feel like he manipulated it for the worse well like, <laughs> like basically put some more grass behind the ball um I'm not suggesting any intent whatsoever. I mean, we've all had issues sure. with dropping your club and, and things wiggle and grass moves, and it's it's unavoidable. But if if you know, I, I'm not saying he improved his lie. I think he, he went the other way. Um, he made his lie worse. But if if you want to interpret a rule as if you change your lie in any way, shape, or form, then at that point, I, I'd argue a penalty should have been. The rules of golf, you know, it, to me, it just points out that they're they're difficult. And again. Does every open group to interpretation. open to interpretation? Does every group get close-up camera replays of you know every? Sorry, are, are we being overly penal again for people that are playing well? Um, you can argue in that case that, like you said, whether it moved or not, I, the term in my head was like you know, yeah, it it didn't change position, so it's fine. Do golfers do that all the time? Yeah. You go up to see, hey, what's the lie? You try to put your club kind of down and, and get a sense of you're trying to read the lie. Now, do you gain an inherent advantage by putting the club, by soling the club behind the ball to kind of 
are you testing a condition now? Are you improving your light? Well, what if I do that and I don't improve my light? Like is it okay if my light gets worse if I didn't improve it? Right. And who gets to determine if it's improved? Certain, but it, it certainly changes, right? One way or the other, better, worse. It's, it's definitely was not the same. Even if the ball didn't move, the lie changed yep. a little bit. So again, and depending on how you want to interpret that. They said golfers rave about this course in and out. They love the layout. They love the part. You see a lot of golfers that play well at Augusta, the Masters, tend to have high finishes at Riviera. So to a degree, there's something we can take from that as well, except for hole number four, which is a long and impossible par four, the way that it's designed. You saw, particularly on Sunday, tons of really, really well-struck golf shots that can't hold a green. And in fact, you saw some very poorly struck golf shots that bounced appropriately and did. I think Tom Kim was one where he hit it a little skinny, kind of skanked it over the, you know, over the bunker that's kind of front left, and it hopped on, and he had 12 feet down the hill. Everybody else was trying to get up and down. So the tour changed something there. Either change the yardage, play it up closer, or change the type of grass, something so players have a chance to bounce it up. Anyway. One quick reader question that we got. I thought this was interesting. They asked the question was this. BBFTB, Tony. BBFTB. Best bang for the buck. Mm. But anyway, their question was, hey, what's the best bang for the buck simulator? So I went back to our PJ show coverage. This was my answer. Maybe you have a different answer. Uh, we profiled this company, Unicor or Unicor, people are going to pronounce it different ways, I'm sure I screw it up. I think we're going to hear more about this company because they're doing some kind of interesting things. The one that we profiled from the show was, uh, it's called the iMini Light. If it's under $3,000, if you get club and ball data, if you get their proprietary software, the two limitations are it's PC only, so you don't get iOS integration, and I believe it has to be plugged in. So I don't think there's Bluetooth stuff going on here. So I think that's a BBF, what did I say? BBF TW thing for the buck. Under three thousand dollars. Agree or disagree, Tony? It's not bad. It's not bad. I mean it's these prices keep coming down and so if yeah. it proves to be viable in terms of accuracy, hell yeah, it's definitely in the consideration side. Yeah. Throw it on. So if you have other questions on BBF T wait, I'm gonna keep screwing BBF <laughs> TB, best bang for the, it's not a good acronym if you can't remember it, category of stuff, let us know. I think it's an evolving category, like I said. Main topic of the entire episode, because we're going to dive into this way more. And again, Not just gonna, us. Not just us. We're going to time warp. We're talking about TaylorMade's TP5. Yeah, so we've got to sit down with Josh Diaper, who heads up R&D for TaylorMade Golf Balls. Uh, we shot this when we were down in South Carolina when we got to take a tour of their, their ball plant down there and, and kind of get the deep dive on the new golf balls. Um, so that that's the big picture. I think, you know, we say this, it's it's a huge year for everybody in the golf ball space, right? We know what Callaway's done. This is, like, for TaylorMade, this one to me is particularly intriguing because I felt like the 2019 ball, you know, was it was really, really good. Right, those were just tremendous golf balls. Step backwards, I felt like, with the with the uh, the 21 ball. We saw that in our testing, some mm -hmm. abnormally high flight in some cases, high spin. And hugely important in terms of trying to gain market share, 
make a run at Titleist alongside Callaway if thinking being right. If everybody can nibble in enough, mm-hmm. then it kind of levels things off a little bit. Um, so you know, we talk about performance, we talk about positioning within the market, a hugely important offering from TaylorMade. A little bit of a reset, three years. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy, right? Three-year life cycle on the past yeah. off. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're really interested to see if this one is in fact the step forward we expected last time. And like we talked about before, uh, you know, this was mentioned to us, I want to say when we were at Callaway um, and others, if you're in a challenger position, which everybody not named Titleist is, uh, particularly in the tour ball space, you can't be just as good as an alternative, right? Because people are generally going to stick to what's comfortable for them. If it's like, you know, hey, Tony, this shoe is just as good as the one you're currently wearing. Why don't you give us a try? This is the same as what you have, what you've known for decades. Go ahead and make the ship just because. Change that. Yeah, better, different, something somehow differentiated against a competitor. Is there enough from TaylorMade on this ball to intrigue you to the point where you would try it to ascertain whether or not there are differences. Like, is there enough of a story and, and difference here for you to stop and go, ooh, I'm going to give that a run? Yeah, I mean, I think the feel story is interesting, right? Feel is it's not performance. It's preference. We've talked about that. But it's if you can make a, a fastball feel softer, that's an opportunity. That is a point of differentiation. And so even if you say, hey, this performs pretty much exactly like the ball that I've been playing for years but I like the feel better. Okay, now, you, now you've maybe got something. So yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm really curious to see, like we know, like, and, and you know, we'll see this in the conversation with Josh, like TP5 is still gonna fly high, maybe not as high, it's still gonna spin. And I did, again, messing around in my, uh, my little mini sim in the basement yesterday, hitting wedge shots. And I was like, okay, you know, there, this may be, there's something to this ball. Again, maybe not total performance but you can see where it stands out where it shines yeah. um see what it looks like with tp5x like where what is going to be the strength of that ball did they bring the flight down significantly on that one? because did we get that into that too. that kind of flatter penetrating lower spinning not necessarily low spin but lower spinning than it was because if you can put that back into it and yeah if you if you take spin out of a golf ball Hey, guess what? You, you just got me distance off the iron. So you can kind of see where that may play out, how it may play out versus, you know, saying it's just longer because it's longer. No, there, there is a, a pathway to get there. Uh-huh. So, yeah, like I said, interesting. Was a phenomenal ball in 2019. Yep. Let's see if we can get back to where it was and beyond. And with that, we're going to teleport everybody. Teleport everybody to our conversation with Josh Diaper, head of R&D golf balls at tailor-made at our time uh like i said spent some time with them in south carolina earlier this year take copious notes write down your questions and then come back to us because we'll be ready to help you and with that enjoy the show we out yes we have another guest here from tailor-made josh diapert josh diapert what do you do josh uh i work in golf ball i make <laughs> golf balls and uh i'm the director of r d for the for the golf ball category yeah so 
for all of you uh, out there. This one's gonna get a little techy, a little more nerdy. Uh, if you want just kind of the rainbows and sunshine, watch the one we did with Mike Fox. That one's <laughs> a little more rainbows and unicorn stuff. This one, uh, we're gonna get down into more of the nitty gritty construction. I know these chairs are amazing. They keep sliding. Slowly. Layers, aero packages, uh, compression deltas, those kind of things. So if that's your alley, keep watching. We're gonna kind of, kind of dive in there. Um, a lot of questions, Tony. You want to start with a question? Let's start. So it's a new year, new season anyway. New TP5 and two TP5X. So what do we got? How are they? How are they different, both from the previous generation and from each other? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good, good question. Um, you know, it's been three years since we lost our, launched our last uh, TP5, TP5X. So, you know, one of the things that, that kind of looking back, we kind of collected some numbers and these are the most tested golf balls we've ever, ever done. I think having that extra time, it helps us understand the, the product even more. Um, what's some of the big changes, right? So it really is a change from core to cover, um, including dimple design as well. Uh, we're going to get there. Don't you worry. Get there. Don't uh, you worry. Uh, Mike already gave me a, gave me a heads up. Um, but, but it really starts with the core, right? So the core, the, that's kind of one of the key technologies that we'll talk a lot about is, is what we call speed wrap technology. Um, what that is, is it's a lower density uh, formulation for our core um, through our advanced materials design kind of group, kind of found this material said hey, what's going on here hey we're getting a lower frequency but it's maintaining cor and it's maintaining compression what can we do with that um and so we kind of did two different things with it for the tp5 we said let's say they bump up the speed a little bit but that golfer really values feel from all of our questions that we the surveys we've done you know they they value control you know wedge control spin um and feel so let's 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 maximize that feel give them a softer kind of feeling golf ball on the x um, what we did was the feel, you know, was softer, so we were able to speed it up, and any kind of feel gets about the same as what it was for the 21 version. But now it's faster. So you maintain compression, you got faster, and with the same feel. Usually those things are kind of opposed. And I, yeah, I thought that was really interesting because when we, we talked to just about every manufacturer about the relationship between yeah. speed and feel, compression and feel, the the avenue of attack tends to be, let's see if we can find a slightly faster soft material. Yeah. And and you guys, correct me if I'm wrong here, kind of took the approach of how can we make a firm material feel better? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that, that's kind of a way to do it. And and feel is this really subjective thing, right? It's, it's a combination of sound and it's feel. So it's compression and it's sound. Um, and so that's where our testing, we show a lower frequency. It's a lot of stuff we've learned on, on the club side, right? Is is we've been designed to frequencies for quite a long time on drivers and irons and understanding that trade-off of how do you get something to, you know, can you damp it more so that, you know, that sound is softer. Yeah, and it's, let's go back to the core for a second because I want to hit on a couple points there. Talk about why it does this. So, like Tony was saying, it seems like you guys are taking a different approach, which yeah. is really kind of novel, I think, within the industry. but. You talk about the core, obviously that's the very center of it. Yep. And the core is, as you said, speed tends to be tied to yep. compression. Yep. So higher compression tends to be faster, lower compression tends to be slower. So when you talk about the new core formulation and you talk about the density 
of that core, why is a less dense material how, why does a less dense material sound and feel better? Yeah, so it's really about affecting the vibrations that come out of the golf ball, right? So you have more air, you have bigger waves. So you have a lower frequency. You have tighter space, you have a tighter, higher frequency. Higher frequency usually is perceived as kind of harder, you know, louder, stuff like that too. Yeah, so basically there's more air. So I kind of yeah. think of it like, you know, take a piece of Swiss cheese yeah. versus yep. like yep. Uh, a sponge. Exactly. You know, you think okay, which one has more air in, yep. in between the yep. gaps yep. and, then you and can, that one's going to feel and you, softer. And you can, get a, you can get a bigger kind of bigger wave, right? Bigger, longer frequency. But the material itself doesn't actually compromise on no, speed. exactly. So you're not, that's a different, different type of rubber blends and different chemicals that go in there that you're not giving up on the speed or the compression. Yeah. So where are golfers going to notice this in the bag and where, where does it get to the point where you're not getting into the core enough to take advantage of that? that yeah, you know, we can, we can, the perception is throughout, pretty much throughout the bag. What's really hard is it's hard to, it takes a pretty special golfer to kind of pick up sound and feel off the driver because the driver just makes so much sound too. They, you can pick up, you know, big differences, but really where we see people pick up sound and feel difference is that kind of 15, 30 yard wedge shot because that's where you know the club isn't making a lot of sound you're getting more sound from the from the ball as well that's one of our kind of our what we found is a test that really highlights sound differences is that kind of around the green so yeah so building kind of from the core out obviously unique design element of tp5 tp5x is that you have five layers we've seen some shifts within the industry where you know people had four layer balls and they were dual core construction yep. balls and yep. that was really hard to do and the best way to uh, fix a dual core construction is by going to a dual mantle construction <laughs> yeah. getting rid of one of those yeah. two cores but you guys have stuck with five yeah. layers yeah. why why have you guys stuck with that formula and how does that kind of play into these yeah into th- the new balls? i think the five layer kind of technology really what that brought was a different performance um, for a lot of golfers and you're seeing that a lot of competitors kind of moving in that space to bringing down that spin of the driver and long iron, right? That was when, when our kind of our first five layer product came out, we were, people would see that distance gains in your long irons, right? That was the, that was how we highlighted the technology was and really a lot of it came from bringing down the spin. And you, that's what that, everybody's looking to get a gradient, right? Everybody's trying to do a gradient from core to outer mantle and then a soft cover. Um, for us, it gives us the most design flexibility and we can have the most precise gradient by doing multiple layers. Um, I think we, we watched kind of a video, manufacturing video yesterday, but that process, like we said, making five layer golf ball is not easy, it's not cheap, because at every layer, you're injection molding another layer over, you're grinding it down. So we have perfect thickness all the way and the centering is perfect all the way through. So we really have that consistent from ball to ball. And then, but the five layers, that big gradient, allows us to bring down the spin driver long iron while maintaining the high wedge spin. That's where we call it kind of the spin delta. It's kind of one of the metrics we track and that's that delta between, you know, a 30 yard wedge and a driver. Yeah. So with the, the 21 ball was the 21, right? Yeah. 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 So one of, one of the things I remember the talking points was, you know, you wanted to make TP five X a little bit more like TP five and TP five a little bit more like, X, do you feel like you brought them a little too close together in terms of performance? Yeah. If so, yeah. have we kind of spread them out? Yeah, 100%, right? I think, and that is, that's the engineering process, right? Is you, 
you go some way, sometimes you go a little too far, right? And so you have to kind of understand. Um, and a lot of times, some of the feedback you're getting is mostly the negative feedback. And you're not, you know, people, people with negative feedback, they are always a, want to give you more that feedback. More willing to share. More willing to share, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so you have to be careful that you don't, you don't get pulled too far by that small minority that with, up with the negative. But um, one of the challenges was, yeah, they were kind of close, right? They both... Um, Sound and feel was very was similar. Flight was very similar. Um, now with the new 24, we're separating the sound and feel a little more, right? Um, flight we'll talk about a little bit, but that's separating quite a bit. Um, and and then even a little bit of the spin as well. But but it was more the wedge spin kind of delta was was great. It was more around the feel and and kind of driver performance. Yeah, it's, I think just one thing. Maybe you were even saying this yesterday, or somebody else was. That all of these things, right, from core to the various mantle layers to even the urethane cover, yeah. once you hit the ball, yeah. that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's done its job in that brief, you know, that very, very brief. And, and it's interesting to think of it that way that all that stuff, its job is done. It's done. It's, it's given it's you, it's given you launch, speed, and spin. Yep. Right? That's all. You do all that work for that. You know, microsecond of getting you launch speed and spin, and then aerodynamics take over, right? And then aero takes yeah. over. So let's talk about that, Tony. Let's talk about aero. Let's talk about aero. Do you have any questions about aerodynamics, Tony? <laughs> I'm sure you saw our ball test. <laughs> yes, I, did. Right, I mean, I would say you know, definitely both TP5 and yeah. TP5X on the higher flying side yeah. for sure. So. Yeah. What changes have been made with this generation to kind of, again, you said to create some separation? Yeah, a lot. And I think, so, yeah, that was one of the feedback, right, was the, the dimple, and especially the X, was a low drag dimple, right? Low drag is great. It was really low drag. And what that did is, one, we had to slow it down a little bit because it was such low drag. So it go, right, it's going the full it's going the full distance, right? So it's going the 320 or whatever, you know, going, not 320, but it's going. Plus or minus 30. Exactly, right? <laughs> uh, but it's long. So. Right. Wherever we were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but it was a low drag dimple, so it would climb to a higher peak height, right? Yep. So, so that was a different flight, and it was just kind of different from the rest of the market as well. So it was a lot, it was different for a lot of golfers. Um, and even in robot setups, right? When something's very different, it can be highlighted as very different in a setup as well. Um, but that was a big, that was a, that was a key goal for us. And that was feedback from tour as well, was that it's flying too high and coming down too steep, primarily on the X version, but the five to a certain extent, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but the X was the one that we really said, we got it. We got to redo, redo this dimple. Um, and so what that dimple is now, it's a little higher drag, lower lift. So you're getting now a flatter trajectory, um, a new kind of a, a flatter landing angle, um, and just a more penetrating ball flight. And how, let's tie this back to a couple of things that, you know, I think we saw a year ago when we were out in Carlsbad and seeing some of the investments that were made, you know, and some of the testing things. You probably, it maybe would have been harder to do that five years ago. No. 100%. And I think so in order to iterate oh, yeah. and really say, I mean, it's one thing that's really nice to say, hey, this one was launching too high, maybe too much spin coming down, you know, uh, too steeply, so it's a little bit shorter than we would like. Let's do better. Well, that's all fine and yeah. well, but... <laughs> Five years ago, it would have taken us a decade, you know, yeah. kind of thing, right? So, um, so how were you able to iterate on that design pattern specifically for the X, 
using some of the technology for stuff sure. you guys have in Carlsbad. For sure, yeah. So and I think you know we've seen some of the stuff in Carlsbad, but the big ones are, it's around our prototyping capacity, kind of our, our ability to prototype. Um, we do all of our dimple tooling, it's all done in Carlsbad. Um, we've done a lot of improvements on that to have even you know, better tooling manufacturing and being able to make those quicker. So we can iterate tools faster. So all those tools get made in Carlsbad. Um, and then all the testing upgrades as well. So you saw our range system, right? Our darts, which is a five radar system that can track the ball really well outdoors, but also our indoor system as well. So we upgraded that in the last year. And that one, the I think, one we, we couldn't take any pictures. No, couldn't take any pictures. But we tracked this year. I think we're going to have over a hundred thousand shots on that machine this year. So that's the kind of the launcher, you know, in that indoor range. Whereas historically, yeah, that we were even sniffing that kind of capacity. Um, but that's how you develop faster, right? Is is new analytical tools, so new CFD. I kind of think I showed you some kind of the views mm -hmm. of some of the CFD stuff we're doing. Yep. So we're understanding it. So you're not having to just go broad with a whole bunch of protos. You can narrow it down. You still want to have a variation of protos because with any design cycle, you start wide and you work your way down, right? So you want to understand your design space. Um, but that, that CFD allows us to really dial it in first. Then we can prototype quicker and we can test more thoroughly as well. So that's how we were able to kind of create this new dimple and really vet it out too to understand it. We're going to go, I want to go really deep in the weeds here yeah. just briefly because I thought it was one of the things you mentioned in the, pre, uh, the presentation yesterday that I kind of, I guess I inherently knew but hadn't really thought about. But, you know, what, what the dimple has to do sort of changes throughout the flight because your, your speed is not constant and, you know, that kind of thing. Cause so can you talk about some of the challenges that come with designing a dimple pattern? Yeah, so, so you, you're looking at dimple designs. The, the ball is spinning, right? There is spin decay over time um, and there's speed decay over time so it's you're not you're not just you know you can't just take a ball uh, you know on a spindle and put it in a wind tunnel and say this is what the arrow is because that's you know it, that's not how it works it change it's changing throughout the entire flight and it changes for every club as well right um, but the driver is the most impactful part um, it's in the air the longest amount of time you know so that kind of thing but really what we're looking at is we're looking at lift and drag throughout the entire flight and we're trying to optimize where do we want it to lift to be high, where do we want it to be lower, where do you want drag to be high, drag to be lower, and being able to understand what that is through the entire flight, and then pick a design that is optimized for what we think is the best performance. Yeah, so with the X, if people are just comparing year over year, either, you know, to other balls in the market, what you're hoping they see, and, you know, we just hit some stuff outside, and I, you know, I think pretty confident in saying it is a flatter, trajectory with the X in particular and and uh, we'll get a chance to see that on the course here a little bit as well and how about the uh, TP5 in terms of year over year the 21 ball versus uh, yes. versus the 24 ball. So the dimple is very similar on the 25 though it is similar to the 21. We didn't get as much feedback that is a higher spinning higher launching we did bring the spin down on the TP5 both driver and long iron so that was kind of feedback that hey, we were on the high side, and you kind of saw in your test as well, even on driver spin as well. That's an inherent thing, irrespective of the dimple. You bring the spin down, you're going to get a flatter trajectory. Right. So that, that's kind of, so that, that's where it's not, we're not going all the way down to where we are with the TP5X. We think there's still a benefit for even slower spin speed golfer and stuff to be able to get a little more, a little more height. 
Um, and so that's where we brought it down a bit, but it's still not the dramatic shift that the, 21, uh, the 21X to the 24X is. But by design now, because you create that, you may create and maybe maintain some separation. Exactly, exactly. Time, and, so. that, and it just, like, golf ball fitting is, you know, we've, we've had some questions today about golf ball fitting, and it's, it's a challenge, right? It's not, nobody, I don't think anybody's, like, really 100% crack the code, because it's different for different people. And it's all about where do you prioritize, where do you start, what's the most important thing for you, right? But being able to have options, working with tour players, having options is what you need, right? You need to be able to say, okay, if the flight, you know, in 21, if somebody was asking for a lower flight, it's like, sorry, we don't, we only have this one and this one, right? <laughs> right? So now you have this one or this one. And then maybe you can adjust your lofts and your irons if you want to fix something else with your spin rates, those kind of things, right? It gives you, separating those two gives you more options for fitting. Yeah. Do you think, you know, talking on the tour side for just a second, having those two balls, do you feel like that gives you enough in terms of, hey, we could take, you know, if somebody wants, you know, lower spin, that flatter trajectory, great, we got one for that, a little more spin. Other lineups, you might see a third or even a fourth ball. I know, time, yeah. You know, within that kind of matrix, and you guys have stayed pretty steadfast on yeah. the two. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. You know, we, we still feel that those two balls should capture the majority of all of our, our tour players. Um, but we continue to talk about different different segments, right? And then, but you have to say like, yeah, is that is that for one golfer? You know, or what is that? What does that look like, right? So, um, and it's a trade-off, right? What are you giving up to do that? So, um, we really wanted to focus and have all our effort and really make the best TV5 and TV5X we could. So that's where the focus was. Yeah. What do you have, like, you know, most manufacturers have a selection of, you know, what we call secret menu options for tour players. How many of those do you have that are kind of like almost one-offs, just trying to fit, like this Not, guy wants something really special? We don't really do one-offs. We do, the only thing that would happen is we have, some players will continue to play a previous product, right? So there are some players that are playing the 21 that we hope, we, we, we have expect most of our players to switch, but there are some players that will play an older product. We don't make ones that are like a design that's only been for this one player. It's, it's, it's existing dimples and existing constructions is all we have. What if they got like four or five together, tour players? They came and said, hey, not just one, but we have five of us. We really want a variant on, uh, on the TP5X. We want a TP5X you know, plus or something. Well, I think that's kind of part of our design process too, is a lot of our prototypes, we're trying to solve a problem that is, so some of this new dimple testing was done with tour players to say, we need something flatter. And so this is, okay, we're gonna start to, but then it gets put into the market product as well. Right? That's, 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 the, that's the benefit of having these tour players is they drive us too with, cause they are just working with these guys. You know, we talk about their swings being robotic and stuff. They just don't miss, and they, and it's 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 a it's a fun and frustrating testing with them because as an engineer, I want lots of data, right? I want you know, give me lots of shots, but they'll they'll be like, I gave you three shots and they're all exactly the same. What more do you want, kind of thing, right? You're like, well, but I want ten, <laughs> like, but I gave you three and they were all perfect. Yeah, but I still want ten, you know, just from a from a you know a scientific you know confidence level, and so that's. That's one of the challenges. These guys are, and so they can, and they can see things, right, too. That, and that's one of the white reasons we always want to get them, um, ideally, testing in Carlsbad at the Kingdom, because we have that 
tracking system that is like no other. So when we're testing with them, we can really, whatever they say, we tie that shot. So like, this one shot, we're testing different protos. He goes, this one shot did something like this. And we're like, I didn't see that. And you see that? I didn't see that. But then we know that shot. We can go back and we can see, did that, was that real? And, and a lot of times these guys, they can see it. They've seen so many shots. I was going to say, how often do they actually see something like, yeah, that one seemed to just draw a little more, did it? And you're like, eh, no. But yes, that, Trackman tends to say, well, yeah, it actually That's did. why, yeah, I've learned my lesson not to, not to uh, poo-poo, you know, what a tour player says and says, you know, that I saw it do this. And I'm like, but the data doesn't say that. You know, okay, let's dig in a little more. Because they just see so many shots and their, their window and their eye is so tuned to what they should see if they see something different, it, yeah, they, they notice it. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So let's switch gears a little bit. Your manufacturing, call it the process from end to end, is unique because you have three factories that are wholly owned by TaylorMade now. Yeah. One in Korea, yeah. one in Taiwan, yeah. and then one right down the road here in Liberty, South Carolina. Yeah. Cores, mantle layers, all manufactured in Asia, right? So yeah. the first four layers are done there. Yeah. Then everything ships over here for covers. Yeah. And I guess the question I'm asking is why? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a, a few reasons why. I think one of them is kind of that injection molding kind of process is a very kind of I don't know, it's not, what's the word? Stable process, right? Injection molding is not, is not um, I guess, proprietary. It's not like some of the stuff we saw with, with uh, cover molding. That's proprietary, right? That's pretty, that's the special sauce. Injection molding is injection molding, right? When you're putting a mantle on, the materials we use, hey, those are super top secret. Um, how we got to those, that's super top secret. But injection molding a mantle layer on, it's not rocket science necessarily you do have to get it centered and stuff but but those can, and then even mixing rubber and you know compression molding cores is is a is a is technology that's been used for a while so we feel it's stable the the technology's there the infrastructure's there um, and as soon as you put a mantle layer on a core there's there's no there's no chance of you know anything affecting that performance so then it can come over here and that's where we you know, the value here is, 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 the, is the cover molding, all the painting, and all the stamping that got all added here. That's where a lot of our technology and our kind of, you know, what we want to make sure we keep an IP for. So with that, right, because again, the Nassau factory career, relatively new acquisition, a yeah. couple years, right? Yeah. And in Taiwan was kind of a, Originally a relationship with yeah. Foremost, now it's just a, a tailor-made yeah. plant. Yeah. How do you maintain quality and consistency when you are sourcing essentially materials or, or parts almost, right, from yeah. three different locations? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the manufacturing. That's, that's why we have the best engineers in the world working for us, right, is we're standardizing processes, right? It's all about, we talked with, with Kenny at our plant yesterday, right? It's about standard work. So you want to do the exact same process, the same checks, the same inspection method, um, and by owning your factories, you can actually do that. So we have our engineers are at those factories, right? So we have, you know, they're there full time. They're tailor made employees, right? So that's the other part too. Is it, there's a there's a shift when when you become a tailor made employee. There's a different ownership. There's a different 
uh, openness, right? Because you're, it's, you're making the product for TaylorMade. It's not, you're not a contract manufacturer that's making it for somebody else um, and you're trying to maximize profit. You're trying to make the best product, right? That's, that's what we're tied to, right? So um, it's all about standard work. It's all about, about uh, and then a big part of it is, yeah, we're, we're, we're weekly, daily connecting all three factories together to review data, review process plans, review all that kind of stuff. So that's how you keep it same from anywhere. And then, it, then it's no different than a factory being here and a factory being down the road, you know, you know being a block away. There's still, you still have to have the standard work between those two factories, right? And that's what it is. If it's one's in Korea and one's in Taiwan, it's not that different. Yeah, and I saw in the factory, because this was one of my questions yesterday with Kenny was, like you're saying, the core doesn't know where it's made, yeah. right? Doesn't know, oh, I was injection molded in Taiwan. Oh, I was injection molded in Canada or yeah. whatever. It doesn't know. But when it gets here, because there is travel involved, right, yeah. is they have kind of an incubation process to make sure that the cores and the structures are at the right temperature and the right adhesion levels. I don't know if that's the right term or not, but whatever. But basically re ready to accept the urethane cover and kind of go through that process and so there is something on this side as well yeah. to kind of quality check yeah and 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 that i've always liked that as a you know you know we're all one family but i like checking on <laughs> checking in on each other right so there is there is nothing wrong with when our factories send out mantles they're doing an outgoing inspection so they're giving us the data whether that's size weight compression cur and then as soon as it gets to liberty we do the same thing right and so it's just one more chance to be able to make sure our, the correlations are there, everything's good before we move forward in the process. And have you seen improvements in, you know, the numbers you look at there, those quality numbers, especially since, right, the, the full acquisition of, of both yeah, those Yeah, 100%, because you're, you're, you're taking the, when you, when you own your own factories, you're starting to take those learnings, those best practices, and you're spreading them out to everybody. So you learn, you learn something new, at a certain factory of, hey, we can, we can tighten our tolerances if we do this. You don't just hold that to yourself. You're implementing that everywhere, right? So that's, that's a huge automotive kind of manufacturing excellence thing where you're, you're taking those learnings and you're, you're driving them through all the, all the supply chain. So when we were out um, about this time last year out at Carlsbad, going through R&D, Saw some stuff in the lab, some some white boxes with with prototype names on them. I remember that. So we had. I remember that. So we saw Olympus and Everest, which you tell me have become TP5 and, and TP5X, yeah. respectively. And uh, I, I remember being disappointed because you wouldn't give me a box of the Olympus to go play Go Hill with at the time. Didn't know what it is, but it sounded really Died good. awesome. Like, give me some Olympus. Yeah. What were what were some of the prototype names that didn't make it? Like how how how, how many mountains did we? we I don't know. We 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 yeah we have, we have a funny one because we yeah we kind of pick themes um, and then we pick different mountains and and you know it's it's it is it is kind of funny where where some of the mountains we get you know where we're trying to pick well is it going to be you know McKid Denali or is it going to be right. Whitney or, and and it, it's a, it's a fun thing but it it does really the code names are. Are fun for us, but they they really I don't know if you saw in the factory, but the boxes you see yeah. the big boxes yeah, yeah. they still you saw they still I saw one like yeah. the the current stuff or I guess what will soon be obsolete right Stinger and I forgot the other yeah. one I was like so, what are these I got to ask so it just it just keeps it yeah it just keeps it's a it's a way to keep yeah. it easy because otherwise you're constantly saying the 24 TP5X right and you're like well because you don't want to just say TP5X because especially right now right we're 
building up inventory for the new one and you're still you know kind of closing out the old one so they're in the factory both balls are there and you don't want to get them mixed up so then it's way easier to just say well one's everest and one's you know right well yeah like i said and keeping the name right where you know maintaining that franchise name so people aren't not having to relearn it, yeah, I think, but it is, yeah. it is always, this is a funny little insight, right, on, on, on engineering and, and, and product creation, right? A lot of times, these, uh, these little prototype names, they make it into the final, final product as well. So there, there is some, there's some. When's the last time that happened? I wonder. Probably lethal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, sure it wasn't Intergel. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking more on the club side and stuff, right? So the, those kind of those those code names we come up with on code names, like Rockaballs for sure. Rockaballs is a code name, right? Yeah. And uh, and stuff like that. So when you have those, and it was funny because it was a code name, and they're like, we really like this name. Then we had to stop calling it by the code name because we didn't want the name to get out. And it's just like, oh my goodness, this is this you need so a code funny. name for the code, code name, name for the code name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you what would you say if you know, like I said, this is a lot of techie, nerdy stuff deep down, kind of in there for the average consumer that's out there buying golf balls, whether they're buying TaylorMade or Titleist or Callaway or whatever the case is, what do you think are the most important engineering kind of features? Like if they're just going to pay attention to one or two things that they hear, like what what do you think is kind of the most salient information for the average everyday consumer? It is such a hard one for, you know, it's, it's so multifaceted. I think it's hard for golf ball because it's like, depending on the person, there's just so much different things they value, right? So I think, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, if, if, you, if you want best in class, you know, control, wedge spin, you know, we'd say, hey, TB5 is right up there and, you know, best in class, you know, spin. Um, if you want, you know, best in class ball speed, um, and distance, hey, TP5X. It's, it's a little tricky on width, and then if you say, hey, I want middle of my bag, I want my long irons to go, go really far, um, I need some more distance, you know, both of them do that with the five layers. It is hard, I think it's hard to say the one thing that everybody should look for in a golf ball, because we do tour fitting and it's always kind of different. We try to have a standard way of how these guys, but some guys even will start on the putting surface and they say, if I can't, if I can't putt, if with, I it. Can't putt with it, then I'm, I'm, I, I can't even, I can't even go through the rest of the bag. Some will start in the middle of the bag. Some will start a, a, like a, a full wedge, go through the top, and then maybe come back to the, the around green side and stuff. So it kind of changes. So it's not, it's not a great answer um, for for all for all us golfers out there to say how do you pick a golf ball. It's what we ask now is like so what. What do, you, what do you like about your golf ball right now and what would you change, yeah. right? And then so when they say, well, what did you change? Okay, well, let's see. What do we, what, what do we offer that would help maybe fix that? I just want it to go longer off the tee and feel soft around the greens, right? Yeah. Is that what they all say? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, it. that's all I want. Well, with, with I Everest and Olympus, right? <laughs> <laughs> TB5. You are putting something on the box, right? To help golfers find Yes. Yes. The right one for yeah, them. yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's our our kind of a first step. We are yeah. I think Mike's talked about it a little bit right. Is the QR code uh -huh. to help you fit right, and that is something that we are continuing to develop to make that even better. But this is this is our first step to say which ball should I choose, and it's and it, it has some prefer, pre preference kind of questions, but also some performance questions as well. Uh -huh. So cool. it should help. So in the lead up, my last thing I'm just to so. 
golfers understand the scale involved in, in launching a new product. Yeah. So we were, again, at the, at the plant right here in Liberty yesterday, and everything that, that we saw they're running is, is the 24 ball. Yeah. How much inventory, how, how many days or months of lead time cranking out balls do you need to have to be ready to actually put balls on shelves? Because obviously, right, when, when, when embargo lifts and it's go time or par date, as, as you like to call it, like you can't just ship six boxes to each Dick's Sporting Goods and be like, we'll get you more. So. Right. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I don't know how much I can just say, but it's like, but it is a, it is a, it, you're building up a large amount of inventory because, and it's months, it's months of, of production that you have to build up that inventory because a lot of the big, big stores, right? They don't want to have, they want to clear out and when come embargo, it's a full, your whole row is all new 24 TB5, TB5X, and you're this many deep, and you got a box in the back as well, a pallet in the back, so you can keep on, you know, fronting that shelf and refreshing it. So it's, it's months. Um, it just means, yeah, that our timeline is kind of shifted up a little further than some of the other product categories. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a big undertaking, and it's, it's always interesting to me, too, because it is such a disposable product, right? So we talk about all this work, you know, and months of buildup and inventory and testing and development and trackman ranges and, and, you know, indoor aerodynamic labs and one swing into the lake and, well, see you later. <laughs> really appreciate all your work on that ball, and Josh, it is, but. <laughs> Every time, it's so funny because almost every tour I give, and whether it's, like, guys like you or, like, you know, you know, my, my, my son's little science class comes in and stuff. That's the first thing they say is like, there's a lot of work. You mean, you know, just press a button and a golf ball comes out, you know, there's a lot of work and I go lose it after one hole. So it is, it is a lot of work, but, but it's important. You know, we want to always continue to push the envelope and, and try to be better than we were last year. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah for your time. Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us as per usual. Glad to be with you all. But if you have questions, let us know. Techie, nerdy questions. The nerdier, the better. The techier, the better. We will get them answered for you. Appreciate you all tuning in. Until next time, we out.